Ladies and gentlemen, now is the time for the host with no filter and the millennial who keeps him in check. Get ready for the stories that matter to you. It's Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro and Jamie D. All right, what's up, Vegas? Was uh, one of those old Budweiser commercials? I forgot about those. It is pushing the limits. It is a Thursday. What's up? <laughs> We're gonna have some fun today. Well, we have fun every day. We're gonna have some fun today. We're gonna have a lot of fun tomorrow. I'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, a lot to get to today. Gonna get some in-depth coverage of. Uh, what appears to be the Las Vegas A's. Yes, coming to Las Vegas. Uh, some ballpark, I guess you could call them specifics. What does this mean for Las Vegas? We'll get into that a little bit later. In the program, Jerry Springer dead at 79. We're going to talk about him. Uh, legend in the business. Coming up in hour number two, Big Mo. Paul McKeskey, 12-year NBA veteran joining us in studio. Boy, the NBA playoffs are heating up, man going to get away from Donald Trump today and gun shootings and right-wing buffoons. I'm only going to say that, try to only say that word once today. The orange turd, I'll get that out of the way right now. Cheeto Jesus. Okay, I won't say that the rest of the show. I can't promise you that, but I'm going to try. <laughs> won't talk about gun control today or transgenders. Can I say buffoon one more time? Oh, I just did. Okay, good. Uh, NBA playoffs are, are, and by the way, Dwayne Wade, I do have to talk a little bit about transgenders. Dwayne Wade making some interesting comments to Miami Heat legend saying that he doesn't want to live in Florida anymore. It has something to do with Ron DeSantis. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. I can talk to Mo about that. But, uh, you know, joining me in studio today, my normal co-host, Jamie D, will be back here tomorrow. Alan Snell from LVSportsBiz.com joining us in studio. Alan, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Here, and I can. You don't want me blabbing all day, but when <laughs> when when the topic of stadium subsidies uh, surfaces, yes, I have covered this issue in five different markets, and I uh, I look forward to chatting about the Oaklandese uh, ballpark situation. And we are we are definitely going to do that. And I want to pick your brain on on. It's amazing, Major League Baseball coming to Las Vegas. It's it's really unbelievable. Um, so I have to start off the show today uh, on a sad note. And uh, a man that I had the luxury of meeting uh, not that long ago, uh, the legend himself, one of the most influential and controversial figures in TV history has died. Of course, I'm talking about Jerry Springer. Uh, a short illness, he died at the age of 79. Uh, a legend. And uh, he was, uh, of course, mayor of Cincinnati. He was a pioneer when it came to uh, television and uh, talk shows. Well, he, uh, he ushered in the whole genre of, course of that did. kind yeah. of uh, TV. Know. And, you know, it was about a year and a half, two years. I mean, it was, maybe, it feel, maybe it was longer. It feels like it was just yesterday, a few years ago, where he was in town promoting a new show, Judge Springer, you know, presiding. And I looked it up and I said, man, it'd be great to get Jerry in studio, you know, because he was kind of making the rounds and, Talked to a few outlets, and I said, God, I'd love to talk to Jerry. So I got in touch with his publicist. They could not have been nicer. And they said, yeah, Jerry can make some time for you. He'll be in a little bit of rush, but he'll be able to make it in studio. And I was really excited about that because I've always been a Jerry Springer fan. And he came in, and 
He could not have been nicer and more forthcoming with me. This is when I was at another right-wing echo chamber radio station in town. Um, and it was incredible because I noticed he really enjoyed, as, as I threw more questions at him, this guy always is asked questions about his former show, you know, the Jerry Springer show. And he loved the fact that I was asking him about the Yankees, big Yankees fan. I asked him about politics, about Donald Trump. And I could see his kind of his eyes lit up because he doesn't do a lot of interviews like that. And he loved the fact that I was kind of thinking outside the box and I was talking about a lot of other stuff other than his show. So, so Alan, I wanted to play a few clips from this interview I did with him, and then I'll tell you what happened after the interview, which, which I'll never forget for the rest of my life. But I asked him about Donald Trump, the great Jerry Springer. Here's what Jerry Springer had to say about Donald Trump. I wanted to ask you about this, too. You're a former Army reservist. You served this nation. First of all, when he goes after somebody like a war hero like John McCain, and number two, when he dodges the military, we all know he did with the bone spurs and that yeah. nonsense, that has to offend somebody like you. You served this country honorably. What do you think of that? Well, it, I think it, it, it should offend anyone. I mean, I never saw action or anything like that, but the people that put their lives on the line right. for this country – what what do we tell their families, first of all, of those who didn't make mm -hmm. it back, that we were only kidding about what your son or daughter died for? Mm -hmm. That when we pretend to be patriots on the 4th of July or at the seventh inning stretch of a ball game, mm -hmm. uh, sing the national anthem or God bless America, that we didn't really mean what we say America's supposed to be, that it's okay to discriminate that it's suddenly it's okay to you know pick on various religions or races or ethnic groups mm -hmm. that we we don't try to help people that need help what do you think of that what do you, what do you think of that alan i mean i agree with him well, it's interesting because it actually shows the guy has some insight and some perspective and there's a lot more depth than a guy who's just simply kind of leading a what seems to be a kind of a fun talk show circus yeah. and it, it just gives a, a a real sense of the breadth and and the layers to this man he didn't mind talking about donald trump and then i asked him a follow-up question uh, to donald trump and i and i want to play this for you alan and uh he continued uh, on the donald trump train and in continuing to discuss uh the legacy or lack thereof of donald trump have a listen to this no one I don't care how conservative you are, how Republican you are, how no one raises their child and says, when you grow up, I want you to be like Donald Trump. <laughs> You're so I mean, right. that's the truth. I ask people Even that all the time. Even if you like yeah. a tax policy, yeah. <laughs> you don't want your kid to behave like Donald Trump. I say that all the time. What kind of you know models he's setting for, for others? And what kind of role model? And this is the president. Yeah. Why, yeah. why do we think the presidency is so insignificant that our country means yeah. nothing, that it's okay to have a president? God, Alan, he's so right. He's so right, you know? Well, I mean, the fact is he ran and he lost. Uh, re-election. And here in Nevada, people should realize he obviously was friends with a U.S. Senate candidate, mm -hmm. and he lost too. Yeah. No, you're right about that. I just love the fact that Jerry just calls it as it is. Now, I asked him one question about his show, and and, and, and we'll play this question, and uh, I think it was an important one to ask him. Have a listen to this. You know, you've done so many amazing things in your life, but did you ever think that we would say to this day that you would have one of the highest rated ever talk shows in the history of television? There's not many people that could say that, right? And you had it. 
Well, I'd like to formally apologize. <laughs> no, I think my show ruined the culture. <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> no, but it's, it's, I, you know, you, you want to say it's 99% luck, but truthfully, it's 100% luck. Uh, there are so many really talented people. I mean, I think I'm a nice guy and reasonably bright, but there are people that are talented and I'm not what you would call talented. You don't like, believe that, do you? Oh, I honestly You really do. believe you're not talented. I think I'm smart and I, I, I think I'm nice and that gets you a long way. But no, I'm not particularly talented. No, you, you go to, you know, you go to Hollywood or you go and see these people that are great actors, great singers, great dancers, great violin players, uh, piano players. But you knew when to step back. You knew when to step back and let trashy people be entertaining. That's a skill. (laughs) That's a skill. But I never thought I was talented. No one picked me in high school and said, boy, that kid's going to be in show business. I just think that's so awesome. What a modest guy. Well, right? it gives you a sense of not only of the humility, but also a sense of a reverence toward his own, yeah, you know, persona. And, you know, people, you, know, you can talk what you want about Springer, but, you know, the fact is he did usher in a lot of other wannabes and other people who, yeah. you know, otherwise and typically would not have seen the light of day running their own show. You ever picture a blowhard like Tucker Carlson doing an interview and saying, I'm not really that talented. Would you ever hear Sean Hannity or even Don Lemon or these people with enormous egos, uh, you know, say, oh, you know what? I'm not a, uh, a guitar player or a musician or a singer. I'm not that talented. Well, I thought it He's was so modest. Well, I just thought he had a he gave you a glimpse to his own sense of self and you don't right. see that too much you uh, don't you know on, on in the media i mean you he, don't he and you know what uh, i think at when as you get older it's i i would think that you you should not even care what people think after a while but you know springer basically you know it was a good interview because he kind of gave you a a glimpse into a guy who you had a different image of and he's yeah. and you saw different sides of him. He had a few controversies in his life. And what I loved about Jerry Springer is that he made light of it. He said, yeah, I screwed up. Like he wrote a couple bad checks in his life. There was a moment where he had a uh, craft, the owner of the Patriots type situation, where if you remember, this was a couple of years before he won the mayorship of Cincinnati, where he went into one of those massage parlors, right? So I did bring this up with him because this was a controversy in his life. And I love the way he answered it because like he makes light of it. He makes fun of it. And he admits he made a mistake. Have a listen to this. But what happened but to Kraft? I did what Can I you did. relate to what happened? It was embarrassing, and I don't think he did something terrible. But yet, it's all over the news, just like what happened. You can can yeah. you relate to Kraft? And what would what would be your advice to somebody well, like him? Well, times have changed. Yeah, it's fifty years later. Back then, it was a mm-hmm. a big deal. You, sh- you shouldn't go to a massage parlor, and I did. And it was, honestly, I didn't have that good a time. <laughs> um, but anyway, I did. Care to elaborate? But I'm sorry. You know, I was, what, 25, and I shouldn't have done it. But in a way, didn't that help you, though, to an extent, get elected? Well, yeah, but I was already in office. It, it was before, it was four years before I became mayor of Cincinnati. But that made you more popular, did it not? Well, it certainly made me a household name. <laughs> but you know what? You know, it, 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 so is uh, iodine. That's true. And uh, That's true. You know, poison can well, be a household name. I hear you. I, I just... um. 
you know, I posted on my social media pages the full interview that I did with him. This was not that long ago. And I, I got to tell you, it was one of the most enjoyable interviews I've ever done in my life. I mean, I've interviewed some pretty prominent people. I've interviewed Barack Obama. I've interviewed Hillary Clinton. I interviewed Prince, even though it was only like a three-minute interview. Uh, I've interviewed some really prominent people in my life. And I have to say, Alan, of all the people that I've spoken to in my 20-year career, that was one of the more enjoyable interviews because it was so real. You know, he was so real in that interview, and, and I loved talking with him. I really did. Yeah, the candor was very refreshing. And, yeah. you know, I think having a, a sense of a reverence toward self is actually yeah. quite a nice, a good little release everyone should have. Yeah. So, Alan, after the interview, he takes me around. I take a picture with him. I said, Jerry, can I get – he's like, of course. We take a picture. I posted it up on online. And he says, Brian, I want to tell you something. That's one of the most enjoyable interviews I've ever done. You did a really great job. You're really good at what you do. And I was like, whoa. It's one thing if like your mom says that or if a friend says that. But this is Jerry Springer who I don't even know how many interviews he's done in his life. And I was just like, wow, what a compliment he just gave me. And then at the end of the day, the program director, um, not that any of the management over there at that station has any idea what they're doing anyway, and not that I would put a grain of salt to anything they tell me. I didn't. But the program director comes up to me at the end of the day after Jerry Springer had already left and said, you know, Jerry came into my office, and he all he did was praise you on what a great job you did in Listen, that Listen, it sounds like uh, you have some content for your Brian Shapiro <laughs> social media profile. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was I, that really meant a lot to me. You no, know? it's it's a fantastic um, to get that kind of validation. It really meant a lot to me, and I, and I will always remember that compliment, you know, because, you know, people compliment you here and there. And, and, I, and Alan, you've given me compliments. You know, I've, I see you at games and stuff, and you're like, Brian, that was a really good interview you did yesterday. I was listening, and I always appreciate that. Always do. And then, you know, and because you're in the media, when one of your peers gives you a compliment, it, it, it's really, it really means a lot to me. And Jerry Springer's one of those guys, right? Uh, he revolutionized TV, and for him to, to do that, I, I always remember that. Always. And the first thing I thought of this morning immediately was the interview I did with him and the compliment he gave me, and it just, it just meant the world to me. So he's going to be sorely missed. A really good man. He was a good man. He cared about people. He was on the right side of the political spectrum, or, or maybe I should say the left side. I don't know, but it was the right side. Um, and, you know, some people said, yeah, he's a pioneer. And some people use the same word. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Rush Limbaugh was a pioneer. Well, I guess if you want to talk about right-wing echo chamber disgusting hatred radio, I guess you could say Rush Limbaugh was a pioneer. I'd like to think Howard Stern is a pioneer of radio. I don't look at Rush Limbaugh as much of a pioneer as much as, you know, bigotry and hatred being okay. Well, the interesting thing about Stern is that he evolved. Yeah. I mean, he was had the shock jock persona for a long time, and then he transitioned to – and this is not an exaggeration, Brian – He's actually become one of the premier interviewers on yeah. radio, and and yep. uh, and his um, interviewees are a list um, folks who s really span the you know the spectrum. You know, we're not talking about just you know entertainers and actors. We're talking about huge politicians, even. So. Sure, sure. I agree with you. By the way, I think Howard. Stern will go down as uh, the best interviewer of all time. Um, well, as you knew, as you know, Brian, since you you know just throwing in a little tangent here, I know you love golf. I do, and 
you know that I do like to say Baba Booey on the golf course. <laughs> Baba Booey. And, and you know that Baba Booey is, you know, goes back with Stern yeah. Alan, decades. Alan was, uh, we were covering the um, Shriners Hospital for Children's Open, and it's always a fun story where Alan goes to me, he's like, hey, I think I, I think I shouted out a Baba Booey after one of the- I, I said, was I was thrilled to get to squeeze that in there. <laughs> Baba Booey. And, and, not, and not get uh, tossed from the, from the course. <laughs> yes. Now, that was very funny. Uh, by the way, for those of you that are wondering, uh, the news that came out that Springer was, di- and I didn't know this. He was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer just a few months ago. Yeah, that's... And I guess this week it took a turn from the worst. He did die peacefully in his home in the Chicago area this morning. But uh, thoughts and prayers to the Springer family. Jerry was, uh, not only was he a true pioneer to, to television, but he was also a good man, a good mayor and a good man. He served this country honorably and may he rest in peace. And certainly his legacy will never be forgotten, and I will never forget that interview that I did with him and, and the kind words he had for me and just what a, you know, that's that's the, you know, there's positives and negatives to what we do in our business, right, Alan? You can attest. Um, there are certainly our negatives, which I'm not going to go into now, but the positives, some of them are, we get to meet some very prominent people. You know, how many times have you interviewed Mark Davis? Uh, you know, uh, I don't even know how many times, but but like, I just saw him the other day, by the way, but like, we meet some really incredible people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's important to, you know, for me, you know, I'm kind of in my role as journalist and, you know, I take that opportunity without a grain of salt because I kind of feel as though as a journalist, you're, you have a voice on behalf of quote, the people. Mm -hmm. It's a big responsibility and you're in the position to, to get information out there and, You know, that, um, you know, this sounds like this would be a good, you know, uh, excellent segue into the whole Oakland Athletics ballpark yes. thing. But, you know, that is your uh, responsibility. And, and I take it seriously because um, we have an important role in a democracy and we do. getting information out there uh, for people to make informed decisions is, you know, some of the most important thing. When I, I love the dumb cliche. I always tell this to my dad about the pen is mightier than the sword, you yeah. know, and ideas – the germ of ideas and action happen when you provide information sure. and people no longer look at life as inevitable slash they make change in their lives. Sure. So, um, yeah, yeah we, it's, it's, a, it's a huge responsibility, Brian. You're right. Yeah. Uh, we're going to definitely talk about, uh, the Oakland Raiders, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders with you, but, uh, oh, athletics or, or did I say the Oakland right. Raiders? Wow. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm still, I'm still calling the Las Vegas Raiders, the Oakland Raiders. That's, that's my bad. Uh, I'm so used to it. Uh, the Oakland A's, uh, are now going to be the Las Vegas A's very, very soon. We're going to talk to Ellen Snow. If you're just joining us from LV Sports Biz about that coming up, I'll say that in my 20 years of doing radio, as you, you know, I've had some pretty incredible, people that I've met. I mean, I met Muhammad Ali years back before he passed away. And I was sitting at a table at his 70th birthday uh, celebration and charity event and sitting to my left at the table I'm at is Sir Anthony Hopkins to my left. Um, Two seats to my right is Samuel Jackson. And across from me is the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones. And I'm sitting with a radio friend of mine who no longer is in radio. And I, and I, I, we're talking to each other like, Brian, who doesn't belong at this table? <laughs> and I got Sir Anthony Hopkins. So, Brian, Timmy, what, what's it like living in Las Vegas? And I'm like, oh, my God, am I really having this conversation? <laughs> I had to pinch myself. And uh, watching Kobe Bryant and LeBron James scrimmage against each other in a high school gym before we had Mendenhall. They were uh, practicing in the, for the FIBAs and the USA basketball. They were in a high school gym. I think it was Valley High. 
And LeBron's on one team, Kobe's on the other, Allen, and they're guarding each other, talking trash to each other. There's maybe 30 people in the gym. And again, that was a moment where I had to pinch myself. I'm like, how many people would want to be here right now? Um, it, it, it was incredible. So I think of those, you know, a couple moments. Um, I think also, you know, it's important, you know, to, to be there, Brian, but also you're a witness and to share that with people too. Yes, yeah. yes. And that was something that I... I certainly share that with a lot of people. All right, Alan, so here's what we're going to do. The main reason why I wanted you here, um, I want to talk about uh, now the Oakland A's, soon to be Las Vegas A's, but we're going to get into maybe a little bit more detail than than when we had you on the show uh, earlier. I want to talk about what this project looks like. You recently wrote an article about it on LVSportsBiz.com. What does this mean for Las Vegas? What does it mean for the A's? And what does it mean for taxpayers? We're going to get into all that coming up next. He's Alan Snell from LVSportsBiz.com. We'll take a quick break. And we'll be back right after this. And I also have a huge radio station announcement to make when we come back. Very exciting. I will explain when we come back. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Buddy, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment, and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams and treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices. Office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. Is your dog suffering from a sensitive stomach? Hi, it's Kelly the Cookie Lady from Mooch's Munchies. Our dogs had super sensitive tummies, and I needed to find a low-fat treat that wouldn't give them gas or other issues. Most of the treats on the market were loaded with fillers, chemicals, and chicken fat. Many of them weren't even food. Well, I knew I could do better, so I developed Mooch's Munchies, and I'm happy to be able to share them with you. Stop by our store or our website, moochesmunchies.com, and find out why we say that Mooch's Munchies are totally possum. 
Sapphire Pool and Day Club, the world's only topless gentleman's day club, introduces its 2023 pool season lineup with a bevy of beauties and social media celebrities throughout the summer who will all host alongside hundreds of Sapphire's topless poolside entertainers. Enjoy brunch in the sun with items like frittata-style omelets, stripping chicken, and French kiss toast before washing it down with signature summertime cocktails. Ten lines beware, go bear! Ladies are welcome to go topless within the day club for the ultimate party. Guests can purchase affordable day bed packages, cabana packages, lounge chairs, and more. The best part, though? Pushing the Limits will be broadcasting shows every other Friday throughout the pool season with a ton of surprise celebrity guests. Wow! Reserve your spot now. For more info, visit sapphirepoollv.com or call 702-869-0003. That's 702-869-0003. See you at Sapphire. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Thursday. I have a very big announcement to make. I know I know. I sound like the VGK announcer. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a very big uh, announcement to make. Tacos! No, that's not the announcement today. The announcement today, that's such a stupid thing. An announce- this is not stupid. Right now, as you're listening to this show, you can hear us live on the FM signal. That's right. It just happened. That's right, 107.1 FM. This is the only political uh, talk show. And yes, we do a lot of other stuff too, sports entertainment. But this is the only political show where we're on the AM and the FM signal. The only one in all of Las Vegas. There's only a few other stations that are both AM and FM. Now we're one of them, and it's the only political talk show that has both. So this is very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, 107.1 FM right now, you can hear us live. We are officially on the FM signal, and I'm so happy it happened right in the middle of the show where I could announce it. So very, very exciting stuff. Very happy. So congratulations to KSHP. But, you know, I know that the only reason why they're FM is because of my show, Alan. That's the only reason. It's, it's got to be, right? It's the launch of a new era. It's, it, it's got to be pushing the limits. You know, it's got to be what it is. But They uh, pushed it right <laughs> to the finish line. They pushed it to FM, baby. So I'm really excited about that. And uh, definitely uh, more listenership for the entire station, really. And uh, very exciting. 107.1 FM. All right. We got Alan Snell in the house. LVSportsBiz.com. Let's get down to business, Alan. So before we talk about some of the specifics with uh, both the articles that I read about this, and you did a great job, we'll go into detail. But you, you mentioned something off the air. I think that's really important about the A's moving here in that this is not a final thing. It's not done yet. So explain to me in detail what you mean by that. Well, the Athletics have purchased 49 acres at, uh, at uh, Dean Martin and uh, Tropicana, and they have bought the land from Red Rock Resorts, and they announced that they're no longer talking to the Oakland Athletics, and they're focused exclusively on this site. So it does lead people to believe that, oh, well, we're coming to Las Vegas. Well, there's a little caveat, and that and that is, oh, by the way, uh, we'd like to have $500 million in public money. And once you introduce public money into the equation of these stadium subsidy debates, in my world at lvsportsbiz.com, it's cold, it's cold blue. I mean, things, you know, the red lights start going off and I dive into, this is my kind of sweet spot. This is what I focus on, the convergence of sports and business and politics and development. And right now it's become basically a government political lobbying story. 
because they will need to get some kind of guidance or some kind of response from the leaders in the state legislature as well as Clark County Commission. You think they'll get it? Uh, I th- r- right now it's it's up in the air. Right now it's they're at their discussion. They're discussing it, and you know they want to create this tax district where development in the district uh, would pay taxes, and they think that would come up to five hundred million dollars. It seems like the district would have to be pretty big, a lot bigger than what you know they're kind of looking at right now. You know that's kind of a common ploy is a tax district where people basically when they pay for items in that tax district there's a certain fee that's charged and that money is collected and it goes toward the big pot of money to pay off the public debt and you know their their first offer uh or request I should say is 500 million dollars mm-hmm. it's an enormous amount of money for a 1.5 billion you know ballpark of about 30,000 to 32,000 seats with a retractable roof and this is where we're going to get in the weeds and this is where you know th- things will get a little you know a little hot in terms of i mean granting subsidies to to billionaire team owners is not a new issue this is something that's been going on for 25 30 years and every market goes through it and every market has to come to terms with how much do you feel there is value in having a major league team? Now, let's look at the circumstances here in Las Vegas, Brian. You typically usually have like a civic or business group that's lobbying for major league baseball. Right. The one just popped up in Salt Lake City, in fact. And you have ones in Nashville and you have ones in Portland. There is no civic group calling for major league baseball. I mean, I think everyone is happy to have the A's here if they privately build their baseball park. And this is one, this is how things get complicated. For their timeline is very ambitious. When I spoke with the team president last week, he said he'd like to make an application to relocate the franchise in August, which is four months from now, in order for the baseball owners and MLB to approve it in the fall, and that would allow for a groundbreaking in 2024, and that would uh, allow for an opening in 2027. When, but what does that mean as far as when would they – because I've heard rumors, and I even heard the MLB commissioner say that the, he could feasibly see them playing at Las Vegas Ballpark. Well, I mean, they'd, they'd obviously – you know, their, their lease expires at the Coliseum after next season, so – it, you know, if you follow this timeline, it looks like they would have to share Las Vegas ballpark in Summerlin, which is a nice ballpark, um, for the 2025 and 2026 seasons. Uh, and you know, you, I have, you have about 10,000 capacity there. I don't know what, what else they could do there, but you know, here, here's the thing, you know, to keep in mind, Major League Baseball, in order for MLB to approve this deal, a source told me that they will, need to know that this market is going to cough up government public money toward the ballpark in order to show that the market is going to be a good host. In other words, it's basically pay up the money or you're not going to get the athletics. So right. um, it will be interesting to see uh, you know, how that plays out. Uh, obviously, it's it's not really uh, you know another uh, element in this, Brian, and this is huge. It comes down to also the fact that, you know, the athletics caught a break 
by having Steve Sisolak lose his re-election bid because Steve Sisolak was very close friends with the uh, Raiders owner, Mark Davis. Who's not Mark, a big A's fan. Mark, that, and that's being polite. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's like the understatement of the world. Can you explain to people, and by the way, I just ran into Mark Davis the other day and we talked about this, but I want you to talk about this. What is the issue with Mark Davis, the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders and A's management? What is the issue? Well, from there? what I understand is that the athletics were ticked off that the Raiders came back to Oakland and built what was basically, you know, the quote unquote Mount Davis, you know, uh, bleacher stand that kind of quote unquote ruined the views of the athletics and the mm-hmm. baseball. And, uh, and then you had, uh, Mark Davis being pissed off at terms of the uh, agreement at, and, and, and basically, um, you know, co-bunking a Coliseum building that, let, you know, let's face it, if you've been there, it's behind the times in terms of amenities. So there was a lot of, um, dislike between the two parties. And my point about Sisolak was that he probably would not be too chummy with the Oakland Athletics if he was still in office. I mean, you'd have to, he'd have to go through the process of entertaining their application. But, you know, you have a new – you have a different governor. You have Joe Lombardo. Yeah. Uh, and I think he is open. I mean, he's been talking with Major League Baseball. He's been talking – he's obviously talking with the state legislative leaders in both houses. And, you know, like I said, um, the one thing to keep in mind, Brian, from covering this in four different markets before Las Vegas is that – I hate to use the word soap opera, but it is literally – a weekly, if not daily, soap opera with things changing. It's a very, very evolving situation. Um, people, the negotiations are changing. I mean, they, the terms of the deal that you have going on between the Oakland Athletics and state uh, and and local county leaders, that's evolving. So you can report something today, and guess what? In two days. It could be completely different. You can have a whole different story. So, so. If, if, if management and owners of the Oakland A's file with Major League Baseball to move the team, and if Major League Baseball proves, which I believe they will, when can we say on the air or off the air, wherever, officially, that the Oakland A's are going to be the Las Vegas A's. When do you think we'll be able well, to say that? Well, it would be that? 2025. I mean, uh, so this is a while away before this could ever be. Well, official. they have, they still have, they can still play in the Coliseum next year. And you think they, they're definitely going to do that? They, they, I mean, could they, could, I guess my question is, could they decide to come here next year and play in Las Vegas? They, they could. You know, the Raiders had a very similar situation where the Raiders were kind of left with uh, kind of hanging about where they were going to go. Obviously, the Raiders stadium was not going to be ready here right. in Las Vegas. So guess what? They actually did negotiate, uh, you know, an extra year. Uh, and it was obviously, a, you know, a lame duck season where everyone knew they were gone. But as awkward and as uncomfortable as, as it is, you suck it up and you play there. Right. You know, you know if, if that's what they want. I mean – Play, having the Oakland Athletics play at Las Vegas Ballpark, yeah, is, <laughs> that sets up a whole different set of issues because sure. then you know the the Aviators will have to sh- will have to share the facility. I don't think they're going back to Cashman, yeah. Brian. Well, here's what I want to do: I want to give people an opportunity if they want to ask Alan any questions. If you're just joining us, he is Alan Snell from LVSportsBiz.com. He is the man to ask. He's been on top of this story when it comes to the possibility, and I'm not going to say it's a done deal yet of the Oakland days moving to Las Vegas. I'll give out the number. Also, the first time that we've been on FM here, 107.1 FM. You could be listening live. Uh, this is a 
interactive show with our listeners. So the number to call, 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you want to be a part of the program, now is the time to call that number. 702-221-SAVE. 702-221-7283. We're talking about the possibility, and it's looking like it, it, it could very well may happen sooner than later. The Oakland A's becoming the Las Vegas A's. Exciting stuff, and we're taking your phone calls. If you have any questions for Alan Snell has been on top of the story. Listen, there's people that are for it. There's people that are against it. I think there's probably more people that are for it in Las Vegas than that are against it. And again, that number to call 702-221-7283. What do you, what do you hear from the naysayers, Alan? Like people that don't want this to happen. What are their reasonings for it? Well, I mean, it comes down to a very similar argument you hear about uh, public subsidies for stadiums. You know, the A's are owned by John Fisher. Mm-hmm. He's the heir to the uh, retail gap store empire. The guy is worth more than a billion dollars. And people are wondering, like, why do I have to give public money to a billionaire to build a baseball park when we have other really important social needs here in Las Vegas? I mean, we have a school district that is constantly being criticized in terms of its performance. We have health care resources that are limited. How many people do you know, Brian, who have had to leave Las Vegas to get healthcare uh, situations resolved. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a transportation system for a market this size, which let's face it, we don't have a lot of transportation resources. And, you know, you, you're dealing with this. Is, these are kind of the art, you know, the, the arguments and cases that, you know, every community has to come up with. What's interesting is that I always, based on my own reporting and based on the uh, research of sports economists at universities across the country, the the party line pretty much is that a lot of the economic number impact numbers that you hear are are often inflated and overstated and i think that's kind of interesting because a lot of times the the value what is understated i think is the value of having a major league team in terms of creating a, a a sense of a community coming together now don't get me wrong i mean having the a's moving Instead of having an expanded new team here in uh, Las Vegas for MLB is a, is a world of difference. We saw what happened when Las Vegas created its own team, the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. The 2017-2018 season will be, you know, among the most special years for a lot of people's lives. And the reason was that the Golden Knights were created organically from scratch. Yeah. The Raiders are a completely different animal. They were a national brand that were like a juggernaut in the 70s and 80s. They've been even for being a losing franchise for like literally more than two decades. They still have the most loyal fans in the country. Right. They, I mean, you have people coming from Southern California, Northern California. And yes, that their stadium is uh, sold out. But guess what? Half the fans are from the other team city. Yeah. And also something to keep in mind in terms of the stadium versus the A's baseball park proposal here in Las Vegas is that this region, from a public policy standpoint, needed a modern big league stadium to compete. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, to get the, the final fours and, and, you know, all these big events um, on the sports side. They've been able to get all the big music acts. They've been to get, you know, they get international soccer events at the stadium. I mean, you can argue that the stadium from a public policy standpoint has really fulfilled its role as being a major entertainment venue, bringing people from across the country. And what's interesting about the funding is that the public is paying through the 
hotel room tax. In fact, I just did a story on that. They're on Target. Uh, our lead story is on the fact that the stadium, that the public hotel room tax is, on, is projected to be nearly $60 million next year. So the use, my point is that the users of the stadium, the people coming in overnight, paying the user, the hotel room tax, they are paying for the public's share of the stadium. So in, in effect, it's a user fee. With the baseball park, I mean, it'll be interesting. You'll probably see uh, a lot of um, visitors, maybe from outside the market. Can but- I ask you this, though, Alan? Because um, you're bringing up visitors. Here's what's interesting about having a baseball team here other than any other professional franchise. As you know, Raiders, you know, a team comes to town, let's say the 49ers, for example, or whoever, the New England We Patriots. saw it with the Kansas City Chiefs. Right, and right. I mean- whoever. So they'll come here for a couple days. There's only one game, and we know that game is most likely going to be on Sunday or Monday. I know they have some games during the week, but let's be honest. It's a once-a-week thing. It's one game. So they'll come here for two, maybe maximum three days and make a weekend out of it, right? Same thing with the NHL. You know, the Montreal Canadiens come to town, for example. It's one game. They'll come out here for a few days. But the interesting thing about Major League Baseball is the average homestand is, what, three or four games. So the Red Sox come to town. The Yankees come to town. The Dodgers come to town. I think this is so unique for Las Vegas because you're going to have people staying here a week. And, and, and well, it's, it's will, very different. I, I will say this. Um, typically what happens when you build a new ballpark with the fancy amenities you will see a one or two year honeymoon period where people will be coming. The locals will go, the visitors will come, and it's a hunt. Everyone, there's a curiosity factor. Now, keep in mind, Brian, that Las Vegas, while we are growing at 2.3 million, and true, we are growing, if the A's come, we would be the smallest market to have three major league teams. And yeah, and I agree with you. When the Yankees and the Cubs and the Dodgers and the Red Sox show up, you're going to sell out 30,000 people. Guess what happens when the Marlins and the Rays or, uh, or and the Guardians or, you know, or the Blue Jays, they show up, uh, you know, playing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, that's going to be a whole different, you know, situation. I think it's a mixed bag. So, um, I agree with you. I mean, when the, um, when Major League Baseball's biggest branded teams, like your Yankees and Mets, right? San Francisco Giants, even the Padres, you know, even California's teams. I think that they would draw very well at a Major League Baseball park. But you get the Kansas City Royals coming in or the Twins or, you know, some of these, you know, lesser branded teams that have like, you know, big Hollywood kind of, you know, personas. Uh, it could be a very different situation. It, it, it definitely can. Again, if you're just joining us, he is Alan Snell from LVSportsBiz.com talking about the prospect and the very strong possibility, I think that's very fair to say now, of the Oakland A's moving to Las Vegas. There's certainly a lot of other things that need to happen between that time, and we'll have to wait and see what happens. I, I, I have to bring up VGK Hockey with you because we have a big game tonight. And the Vegas Golden Knights, Alan uh, won two games in a row on the road. They've been one of the best road teams all year. And so. another, and um, like you said, great road team. Yes. But also, Brian, I have to point this out. They have been fantastic in one goal games. Mm-hmm. They, if I looked it up, because I was the the one difference I think this season over past years is that the team is beginning, even if they're outplayed or have bad stretches during the game, somehow they're rally to win. They're able to win these one goal margin games. Their record is 21, 8, and 5. 
uh, in one goal games. And guess what? What happened during the, the two games in Winnipeg? I think they were both one goal wins. So, you know, I, I, I think the Golden Knights are beginning to learn how to play clutch and, and win when the stakes are the most highest. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And so where are we at right now? So the uh, Vegas Golden Knights are up 3-1. Uh, I think we all could agree, even though anything can happen in hockey, uh, it appears as though the Vegas Golden Knights are going to move on. I tend to think that they're going to get business done tonight for a couple reasons. Number one, who wants to take a trip back to Winnipeg? Even those on the team don't want to take a flight from Vegas to Winnipeg, let alone the Vegas Golden Knights. Number two, and I think this is the most important part, obviously you want to win the series and move on. Obviously, but the NHL playoffs are probably the most physical playoffs in all of sports. I know how physical the NFL is. You have a week to rest. In some cases, you have two weeks to rest. Not the case in the NHL playoffs. I know how physical the NBA playoffs are. Not as physical as the NHL. Let's just call a spade a spade. So if you win tonight, you're giving your team an opportunity to rest and watch the other and, series and, and get healthy. Yeah, and what's quirky about the schedule, Brian, and everyone has mentioned this before, is that on the other side of the bracket, Edmonton versus L.A., that game is not till Saturday. Right. So sit back and relax if you're the Knights, if right? The, if the Knights take care of business and polish off the um, Winnipeg and do the handshake thing tonight mm-hmm. – they're going to, first of all, they'll have a couple of days to rest and they'll just watch Edmonton versus LA on Saturday. If LA wins, then it's like another two days after that. And then if there's a game seven, there's two days after that. So the Golden Knights, if they can take care of business, yeah. you know, they could potentially have like five or six days of rest, which it's is huge. huge. That would be yeah. a huge benefit. There's always injuries. I got to tell you, one player that's really caught my eye, which I've really been impressed in the playoffs. He has really turned up the energy. This is Brett Howden kid. Mm. I think he has been the perfect addition to the Golden Knights playoff run. Yeah. And he scored two goals uh, in the in the last game. And um, the guy has the kind of energy level that you need to advance in the playoffs. Well, I've heard a rumor that if uh, Carrier plays tonight, that Phil Kessel, they might bench him. Uh, Interesting. And this doesn't end his streak. If you're healthy, that doesn't count as a – you know, an injury, but uh, that Phil Kessel might not play. I'm not a big fan of that. I, I wouldn't mess with what's going on right now. But um, it's interesting because I think a lot of this, well, there's a couple reasons why I, I think the Knights have had so much success in this series so far. The goaltending. Let's give credit where credit is due. This is a guy in Bruisois. This is a guy who's had a lot of injuries. He's never been in this situation before as the starting goaltender in the playoffs for a team. He's never been in this spot before in his career, and he has stepped up. He's stepped up his game. Uh, he's made a few mistakes here and there, but for the most part, he's been very, very well, good. i got to tell you, Brian, um, the thing that strikes me about Brossois is that even though Winnipeg's fans were kind of making fun, fun of him because he's a former backup there, yeah. the one thing that impressed me about Brossois, even before the playoffs – he just seems to be poised. I, there's a yes. sense of calmness and poise, yeah. and he just doesn't get rattled. Agree. And that and is a big characteristic to have ha- in the playoffs for a goaltender. You know, the, it's, yep. it's just mountains and valleys you know, in the playoffs, and even, you have to be steady. And Brossois has this calmness about him that I yeah. think works really well with the Golden And Knights. I also have to give credit to the coaching staff and Sean Burke, uh, 
the goaltenders coach, because the goaltending with what it seems like they've had 18 different goalies this year, what they've been able to do with their goaltenders with everything that's been going on is nothing short of miraculous. I think they actually, I think had a, I don't know if it was a record. Maybe it was a record. They had no less than five goaltenders (laughs) register wins this year. That's unbelievable. During the the regular season. And that's my point. I mean, what Sean Burke and the coaching staff have done with, so that's number one. I also, you know, my, my, I do a tip of the hat to Cassidy. Sure. I realize that the Bruins coach is going to probably win the coach of the year. Uh, but I got to tell you, Cassidy, I think has done a pretty good job mm-hmm. mixing and matching the players. Agree. He's not afraid to change. If you notice, he likes to use a, a combination of guys. He, you know, he loves, mm-hmm. uh, for example, Mark Stone. He's going to be paired with Chandler Stevenson. I think what and he, and he loves having uh, Riley Smith with Carlson, and then he plugs mm-hmm. in a guy who could complement. I think that's Cassidy's biggest strength is making adjustments when things aren't working, and that's what I love about him. And he's very honest. So number one is the goaltending. Number two. And I talked to Dan Duva about this last week when he came on, the voice of the Knights. You need your stars to play like stars. Mark Stone came back. He's finally starting to get healthy. He's playing at a very high level. I don't think anybody expected him to play this well this soon. Mark Stone's been great. Eichel, this is a guy who's never been in the playoffs. Buffalo was terrible for years. Eichel's been waiting for this opportunity. Game one, he wasn't very good. The whole team wasn't very good. He has been phenomenal. He has been scoring goals, making plays. He is playing like the superstar we are accustomed to seeing. So you got those two guys playing at a very good level. Carlson's woke up a little bit. He's been scoring goals. The guys that you would expect to play well are playing well. Well, there there are three things which I ha- like put on my check uh, checklist. Number one, you just referred to William Carlson. This guy scored forty three goals in season one. Had a magical year. He had he had to step up, and he's he's playing some of his best hockey of the year. He pl- after playing in every season, which is, every game this year, which is incredible. But he uh, has looked yeah. fantastic. Number two is the defense. I think they have the best six man defensive unit in the league. If you look at the starting six, they're all rock solid. There's no weaknesses there. Those guys have to stay healthy. And number three, you you mentioned the stars. I uh, flip of the coin. I like to look at the uh, kind of the X factor guys who step up. Michael Amadio and Brett Howden. Those two guys are playing fantastic hockey. So yes, I agree with you. Your big guns have to come through, but also guess what? You, you need kind of like the role guys to kind of, uh, you know, deliver a goal here and there too. And that's what Amadio and Howden has delivered. Great. And I, I think they get it done tonight, Alan. I really do. I think that. What's your predicted score? Um, I'm going to say maybe three to two. Something like that, That's, four to two, yeah, maybe. three, two, four, two. Win. Yeah, something like that. I think it depends whether there's an open netter or not. I think it'll be a competitive game. Maybe William Carlson will give the old open netter. I hope so. You know, Winnipeg is a well-coached team. I'll give them. Credit. They're a good team. The one thing they did lose one of their big. I think they had one of their big guns injured. They did uh, two games ago. Uh, I think I, it was Sheffley. Yes, and you know they have a great goaltender. Helly is an unbelievable. He's goalie. a pro, no doubt about He's it. He's very good. They're very well coached. Um, they're just a little bit overmatched, uh, but all due credit. Listen, the Jets are a good hockey team, so this isn't this isn't a it's, slouch. Yeah, well, what's interesting is that you know, assuming the Golden Knights do win tonight and win five, you know, you win in five, it sounds like it was a you know you you dominated them. You know, this has not been a dominating series. Let's, let's call this the, for what it is. I mean, when, it's a very close, competitive when, series. Both teams, I think, are very evenly matched. When, but my point is that the Golden Knights have been been able to win those one-goal games. When the series was tied 
and the game was in overtime, the series could have made a turn for the worst. If the, if the Knights lose that game in overtime when they were up 4-1 and they uh, gave up three goals, all of a sudden they're down 2-1 and everything could have changed. That was the changing of the guard in the series. The Knights were very fortunate to win that hockey game. They played their best game of the series, in my opinion, last game. That was their best game of the series. They were they were the better team from start to finish. They played a full 60 minutes, and they deserved to win. The overtime game, they played two really good periods. The third period was an absolute disaster. Uh, so tonight, try to put a full 60 minutes together. You'd like a convincing win. You'd like nobody getting hurt. But I don't expect the Jets to lay down and die. I expect them to play very competitive and, and, and good sound hockey. But if the Knights do what they need to do, I think they come away with a win and Cassidy will take it anyway. So, you know, let's assume the Knights win tonight. Here's my question for you, Brian. Game six, Edmonton versus LA in mm. LA. Mm. Who are you calling on that one? Really good question. That's Saturday and night. I, and obviously we know who the best player is on the ice. It's Connor McDavid. We know that. With that being said... I tend to think this series is going to go seven. The reason why I say that is because the Kings have really caused some problems for Edmonton, particularly in the neutral zone. Uh, in watching this series, uh, I'm a little disappointed with the way Edmonton has played. They've turned the puck over a lot. They've been a little lackadaisical out there. Goaltending suspect at times. Um, and the Kings have matched the physicality of this series. The forecheck for them has usually been something that has been a lack of uh, to be desired, but they have matched the physical intensity. Edmonton's a very physical team, mm -hmm. so I'm really impressed. The fact that this game is in L.A., if it was in Edmonton, I'd say, yeah, Edmonton probably gets it done. The fact this game is in L.A., I don't think the Kings are going to want their last game of the season to be in L.A. Yeah, i got to tell you, I have been very impressed with L.A. maxing out their talent. I think yeah. they overachieve. I think they're gamers. Yep. I think they know how to come back and win games, and I think... I'm going to agree with. I'm going to say they squeeze out a four-three win on home ice, yeah. and then get blown out in Game Seven in Edmonton. This is. I tend to agree. This has been a fantastic series. Uh, a couple overtime games, and uh, the Kings were embarrassed a little bit in their last game. You know, they gave the, up six goals. That's you know the NHL's secret sauce is that unlike the other leagues, let's say the NBA, when the goal when. Remember when the Warriors set a record for most wins in one season? You pretty much knew they yeah. were going to go to the final. They did yeah. lose to Cleveland and LeBron, but look at Boston. Boston set a record, and you think, oh, they have an easy trip to the next round to the finals. Guess what? They lost last night, and they have to go to Florida for game six. Yes. Look at the defending champions, the Colorado Avalanche. They lost 3-2 to Seattle last yes. night in Denver. Guess what? Seattle can clinch the series and knock out the defending champs in I, Seattle. I got to be honest with you. This series surprises me. Colorado's a better hockey team. The Kraken are very... Uh, they're a scrappy team. A, I was just going to say they're very scrappy, uh, but there's no excuse. Colorado should win this series. Mr. Alan Snell, uh, I will see you tonight. At the Vegas, I have a very busy Thursday night going on a double date, not bragging or anything, going on a double date. It's not Jennifer Lopez or anything, but going on a double date before the hockey game. Then I'm going to the hockey game to cover the game. And then I'm going to see my one of my favorite comedians, Stephen Byrne. And I'm going with a few friends of mine at uh, Jimmy Kimmel's Comedy Club later tonight. So I have a busy night tonight, but uh, I will see you at the Vegas Golden Knights game. And I also want to say you do a phenomenal job, you, Cassandra, and, and all the people over there at lvsportsbiz.com. You guys do a great job. I enjoy reading your articles uh, every time I get a chance to. And uh, please check out lvsportsbiz.com. Alan does a phenomenal job, job covering everything and anything that is Vegas. And I love 
people that cover everything, that aren't afraid to get out there. And Alan's one of those guys, and I love that about you, Alan. And I appreciate you being here, and I also appreciate you being at my birthday party. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, I heard a, a special guest from your party will be here for hour two. So The, the big man, Paul, Paul McKeskey's in the house, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he said he might be wearing a Speedo at Sapphire tomorrow when we broadcast live, Alan. Will you be making a cameo maybe tomorrow at I Sapphire? I might be on my bicycle maybe passing. Oh, okay. Well, you're But welcome. I'm not sure if I'll enter given the Speedo uh, <laughs> Well, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Alan, thank you so much for being here. Always a pleasure, my it's friend. It's great to be here. All right, the big man, Paul McKeskey, coming up next. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here. Listen to this outro on 107.1 FM, 1400 AM, KSHP. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Thursday. Thank you so much for joining us on the FM dial as well. Officially launching today, 107.1 FM, wherever you're listening. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care, located at Flamingo and Jones. I'm sorry, located at Sahara and Jones. I'm getting my sponsors mixed up. I was thinking of Jackson's Bar and Grill. Because you live there. Yes, Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care. Uh, no appointment needed, but uh, I tell you, I was in and out of there in 20 minutes. If you need help, they will they will take care of you. They take most insurances, and if you don't have insurance, it's only 95 bucks. Give them a call, 702-248-0554. You could also visit them online at SaharaWestUrgentCare.com. Mr. Big Man himself, the 12-year NBA veteran and 20-year coach. Big Mo, Paul McCaskey joining us in studio now, and uh, Mo. Always a pleasure. Uh, we have to adjust our microphones when you come in compared to Alan Snell. I think you got him by about three and a half feet. Hey, hey. It's, uh, it's a little uh, morning today with the, with the Bucks taking a, taking a big hit last night. Well, why don't Man, we start? Why don't we start with that? Because Ooh. for those people that don't know, Mo is a he had some really good years in Milwaukee. Played some. How many years were you in Milwaukee again? Eight, eight years. So, so that was the longest span of your career. Eight out of twelve. They loved you in Milwaukee. That's why they called it Milwaukee. Yeah, they loved you out there, and uh, you had, you know it's very rare to stay in one place for eight years. Whether it was back then or now, it's even more rare now. But uh, so let's talk about this game yesterday. Listen, we we know that uh, Giannis got hurt in the series, and he was never probably 100% after that fall, and we understand that. But with that being said, when you're up, was it 17 points yesterday? 16 in the fourth. Yeah, yeah. 16 points in the fourth quarter. At home, you (laughs) can't give up a lead like that. What the hell happened? Well, I mean, you know, uh, Giannis was was hurt in in the game earlier in in the series, Besides that, the Bucks have a roster built that can sustain that injury and still beat the Miami Heat. I mean, let's face it. They have, they're deeper. They're more talented at every position. Obviously, Jimmy Butler showed that he's the best player in the series. And even though Giannis was up for MVP, uh, Butler was MVP for sure and was a one man wrecking ball. However, uh, in a game at home and Giannis, I think had 33 points and 10 rebounds, but he missed 13 free throws. Like he went back into his funk free throw shooting, but really the collapse 
to me in the fourth quarter as I'm screaming at the TV is they looked like the Keystone Cops. <laughs> they couldn't get a shot. They fumbled the ball out of bounds. They threw it out of bounds. Giannis throws it out of bounds almost because he doesn't want to get fouled. Uh, they, you know, they're taking bad shots. Giannis is taking 15 foot floaters and not going to the basket because he's afraid to get fouled. And then Jimmy Butler's going off and they're not making any adjustments. They're not trapping the guy that had 50 on him last game. Uh, and then the la- the last play, uh, was a joke to let that happen and let them, uh, um, uh, tie the game up. Uh, and then to not get a shot off in, in, uh, in, uh, uh, in the overtime and to, uh, uh, you know, not call a timeout with eight seconds left. You have the ball. Here's like, here's a coaching thing, right? And I know where he's coming from. He's a Popovich guy. Popovich is a guy like um, uh, a lot of the older coaches that want the players to win the game for him. It's up to the players, which is true. Uh, so if you have the ball with 10 or 8 seconds left in the hands of the guy you want it to be in, you let it go. So they had it in Giannis's hands, and he's driving, and then it didn't work out. It got funky. So you still have 3 or 4 seconds. You can still call timeout. And then reload, set up a half-court play, plenty of time, right. and get a better shot And they off. didn't do that. And he did not do that. So I understand what he was thinking about doing. And even at the end of the game, at, at the end, he said, we should have called a timeout. Well, damn it, call a timeout. You're the head coach. Call it. it That's it's pretty just, basic stuff, right? Yeah. You have to be saying to yourself, okay, we want Giannis to have the ball. But if something happens where he's uncomfortable with the ball or he's yep. double teamed and he can't find anybody, quickly call a timeout. You yep. still uh, three or four seconds in the NBA is an eternity where you could even take catch the ball and take a couple oh. dribbles or a screen or uh, right put, and put players in you want in right. to put the guy in you want to out, take the ball out of bounds. So you're you're putting a lot of the blame, which I understand, on the coaching staff. I, I am. Um, you know, I did it the same. Uh, when uh, Golden State called a timeout, Curry called a timeout when they didn't have it. That's a coach's problem. He owned I'm, it, though. Yeah. He owned it, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, and his assistant coaches, there's hell, there's about 20 of them over there. Yeah, Every NBA true. team has 20 assistants. At the end of the last timeout, some coaches, all the coaches, we have no timeouts. It's easy. It's basketball one-on-one, and no one decided to do that. So That's true. It's in the last play in regulation that uh, Jimmy Butler got the the layup on to tie the game up, that is the oldest, brokest high school play you can run. (laughs) Everybody runs that. And to not guard that correctly was a joke. I tend to agree with you. In watching the game myself, you said as a former Milwaukee Buck and you were an assistant in the NBA, you've been doing this a very long time, I would imagine you were probably screaming at the television. Absolutely. (laughs) And and it's very frustrating because, you know (laughs) – Bucks are down in the series. It's going to be an uphill battle, blah, right. blah, blah. But you don't want to go out making boneheaded mistakes that you won the championship two years ago. Really? Yeah. You, you weren't ready for this? And that's right. what, if I'm the ownership of the Bucks and I'm a, I'm a coach for over 20 years, I don't recommend, you know, I don't think coaches should be fired on a whim, but at some point they have to be held accountable and to not call that timeout. Not be prepared, not make adjust, adjustments on Butler, who's just killing you defensively. You know, with your defense, you can trap him, you can switch, you can get the ball out of his hands. You should have Giannis on him. I don't care if he's hurt or not. And then you have backup there. It might be time for the Bucks to have another voice in that locker room. Let me ask you this, as a former Buck and, and a former coach, if in fact they are going to look for a new coach, who would you recommend? Who would you like to see in that spot? You know, I would have to. Go through, you know, who's available. Um, uh, you know, top of the list is probably me. 
I would call myself. (laughs) (laughs) Man, how awesome would that be? Mo gets the call up. Uh, You know, back a while back, I would look at a Sidney Moncrief, who was an assistant mm -hmm. with the Mavericks, Jack Sigma, who was assistant former guys that could come back and help. Uh, You know, you look at uh, a younger group of coaches, but, uh, you know, uh, someone that's willing to make adjustments that, you know, you know, I like old school. I'm an old school coach, but you have to make adjustments and, you know, uh, there's no, uh, they still have a solid roster. They still can make a run at this thing next year, but, um, mistakes have to be fixed and adjustments have to be made to find the right guy that's willing to take hold of that and, uh, do that. Uh, it would be a, a, a interview process. So, you know, and, and anybody will interview for it. So Knicks Miami could be a very, oh, hey, let me throw on. Yep. Mark Jackson. Really? Someone like Mark Jackson. Who well, you know, there's a guy who put the Golden State Warriors in a pretty darn good spot after Steve Kerr took over, right? Yep. I mean, he put, let's be honest, Mark Jackson and his staff put Golden State Warriors back on the map. They were not very good when he took that team over. And he took that team and, 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 and brought them into notoriety. And hey, Golden State, one of the better teams in, in basketball. I know he had a few bad years there, but, but I think Mark Jackson is an underrated head NBA basketball coach. I tend to agree with you. Yeah. He's a, he's a, and you played against him, right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know he's he's old school, but he still relates to the players. He's he's very much involved in that, almost too much. I know he got in problems, uh, you know, with uh, um, you know inner inner squabbles with general managers, a whole little political yeah. thing that goes on. But someone that knows his X and O's, willing to adapt and holds players accountable. A guy like Mark Jackson fits that mold. I tend to agree with you, and I, I think that would be good. But we don't even know if they're going to fire their coach. Or yeah, I, I, yeah. So we'll have to wait. And, I, I think I would be okay with it. Uh, you lean towards yes, that you think it's time for a change. At, at this point of what's happened the last couple of years, especially this year, the collapse, uh, number one against the number eight. Now Miami's a good team. Don't get me wrong. But it's worse but. than that. Mo, uh, this has never happened before, odds-wise. I'm talking gambling. The Milwaukee Bucks were the odds-on favorite before the playoffs to win the NBA. Now, I didn't agree with that. I told you I didn't agree with that. We, I gave you the teams that I thought were going to win it, and, and Milwaukee wasn't on my list. However, the bookmakers said that the Milwaukee Bucks were the favorite to win the NBA championship. That's never happened where the odds-on favorite has lost in the first round of the NBA playoffs. So this is like historical, not in a good way. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I, I think the teams in the, in the East were, in my opinion, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly. And that would be a great series. Uh, and then you got Denver and Phoenix mm-hmm. in the, in the West. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I agree. And to, yeah. lo- to bow out that way in the first round, um, you know, it's time to shake things up, yeah. in my opinion. Let's continue with the East. I want to talk to you, but let's talk a little bit about Knicks Miami. This, this is an intriguing matchup. Uh, two athletic teams. Uh, I love Jimmy Butler and I love, uh, you know, he's been around a while. Uh, he showed it yesterday with veteran leadership. And uh, listen, the last play uh, where they tied, that shouldn't have happened before overtime. But Jimmy Butler was really, really good yesterday. He made a lot of shots. Uh, the Knicks are a very talented young basketball team. And I know there's a lot of people in New York that are very excited about this team. It's an intriguing matchup. Who do you like in this one? Well, um, and I'll say the person, you know, uh, Jimmy Butler was spectacular, you know, scoring 50 and 40, whatever. But I would look at Bam, uh, Bam Adebayo, mm. uh, that, Adebayo, yep. Adebayo, who yep. had, I think, 30, 10, and 10 he last night. was phenomenal. Night. Yep. And, and I mean, that's a guy that stepped yep. up. Um, Duncan Robinson, mm. who has been on the bench all year. Yep. And then Hero, who took his spot, got hurt. And now Duncan Robinson, I think, had 26 a couple games ago. So, so, you know, they're a great opponent. 
Uh, it's going to be interesting because the Knicks are built on defense and physicality and uh, a slower pace. It's going to be a really interesting series. And not only New York to Miami, that kind of thing going on, you know, right, those trips right. back and forth. Uh, um, and, uh, uh, you know, two coaches that have been around now, Spolster right. has been around and, you know, uh, uh, the Knicks coach has been around and, you know, it's going to be an interesting series. The one that I didn't expect to happen. I don't think, I don't think a lot of people expected this. I think I, a lot of people expected Milwaukee, New York. People expected New York to beat Cleveland. I, I don't know. Cle- Cleveland, in my opinion, has one of the best starting fives. They have Garland they in the backcourt. Yeah, but they Mitchell. don't have a good bench. New York's got a much yeah. better bench. And uh, I th- I, a I better think, bench, but not yeah. much. But, but they were, they're both not deep teams. No. Miami's not a deep team. Uh, Philly. Boston and former Bucks are deep teams. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, Brunson has really stepped up, uh, and become the star that actually the Dallas Mavericks needed. And, uh, that was a terrible, terrible decision. That was a terrible let but go by them. I like Miami. Yeah. And the reason why I like Miami, the main reason is veteran leadership. If there's one thing Miami has that New York doesn't have a lot of, it's veterans, guys that have been there before in the playoffs, guys that know what it takes to win, including your head coach. And I think Miami wins this series. New York is going to get better. They have a lot to be uh, proud of. First of all, they got to the playoffs. Plenty of years where New York didn't even get into the playoffs. <laughs> they get out of the first round. I think this is going to be a very competitive series, but I do like Miami in this series just because of that veteran core, and I think the best player on the four, arguably, and especially the way he's been playing as of late, is Jimmy Butler. Yeah, and I agree to that at some point, but as of last night, I, I'm shaky on that because the team you're describing that Miami is is the team that the Bucks are. <laughs> Perfectly described. Yeah. You know, for uh, MVP, former MVP, coaches have been there, won a championship, veteran players, and they lost to Miami. But, uh, yeah, I would give, I think it's going to be a good series. Um, I'm telling you, the Knicks beat one of the longest, most athletic, uh, teams, uh, you know, uh, in Cleveland Cavaliers. And this is going to be a seven game series. And, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I think the Knicks have home court, if I'm not wrong. I, be- I believe they do. And- I, Paul, I have some really bad news for you. Uh oh. And uh, I need to read this to you because, you know, uh, this reaction that you're going to have is I'm, I'm going to put it online. It <laughs> involves you and it involves Bobby Portis. Uh, just came out and I was unaware of this, but Bobby Portis has now passed Paul McKeskey for 12th on the Bucks all-time playoffs offensive rebound list with what? 60. Yeah, That's he- killing me, man. Golly. What is your reaction to that? <laughs> uh, that's, that's disheartening and, uh, you know, I'm just uh, – <laughs> You know, my, my, my many records are falling by the, by the wayside. And I'm looking at pictures of you that everybody's posting on social media. It's hilarious. But I mean, and you know what? Um, do you know Paul McKeskey's kind of trending on Twitter right now? There you go. Let's let's make it happen. We should read some of these, uh, some of these comments (laughs) about Paul. I mean, I would take, I, I had a comment last night from somebody, uh, that what Portis was last year, the energy guy and the hustle guy. I think he got away from it this year and started wanting to score more. And I think that might have hurt um uh the Bucks at the end because uh they, they missed uh uh Tucker. You know, they must PJ Tucker, but by the way, I think some of the stuff that we've done has gone a little viral because Tom Clark on social media says, Can I please have my Paul McKeskey autographed card? 
So I don't know. I think I started something. <laughs> that was 15 hours ago. And everybody's posting the picture of you uh, with Bobby Portis, but they're, they're they're posting the picture of you with the mustache, you know, that unbelievable picture of you with the stash. Uh, listen, Portis is a, is a really good young player. I really, uh, I liked him immediately when I saw him in the NBA summer. Like I said, this kid can play. I think he was on the Bulls. Wasn't he drafted by the Bulls? He bounced around. He's, yeah. he's been everywhere and he found a home in Milwaukee, much like I did. You know, yeah. I, you know, I was drafted by Houston, went to Detroit, went to Cleveland, and then found a home in Milwaukee. And Portis <laughs> is the same type of guy. And, yeah. you know, if I was allowed to shoot like him <laughs> and be part of the offense like him, I would be able to score too also. Somebody on social media post, Paul McKeskey is not going to like this tweet, the tweet that, that <laughs> he passed you. Um, there's a, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty funny, by the way. Uh, there's a lot of people that are tweeting about you today because Portis has passed you. Uh, and then there's pictures of you. Uh, what is that? What is that picture? Hold on. Stay there. Pat, uh, con, con, uh, Pat joins Paul McKeskey for the sixth all time playoff game for the Milwaukee Bucks with 63 today. Okay. There you go. So there's a lot of people that are passing you, Paul, as you get older. Yeah. How does that feel? I don't that's, know. That's what happens when you get old, man. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, hey, that's a good thing. Uh, listen, like I said, Portis is a really good player. Really good young yeah. player. Very physical. I love his uh, persona on the court. He's got a little toughness. He I like got that. In, he got into it with the Miami bench last night a little bit, um, which I like. But, uh, yeah. you know, uh, the Bucks have a lot to think about over the summer. That's for sure. Yeah. Don't the, know what draft picks they have. but Well, unfortunately, your Bucks go down. And we just talked about the Knicks-Miami series. Let's talk about the East a little bit more. We'll get to the West next segment. Uh Lakers Grizzlies. Um, listen, I said you, you don't want to poke the bear when it comes to LeBron, and he's been very good in this series. Lakers are up 3 2, but I get the sense that this is going seven. What are your thoughts on this series? I believe they're playing tonight. Isn't game six tonight? Uh, yeah, I think and it's yeah. in LA, right? Is it in LA? I could, I could be wrong on that. But what do you make of Memphis, this? Memphis has home court. You're right. So well, I, well, no, no, no. It's not in it. it, it Yes, you're right. It, it is in L.A. So do you feel like this is a game that L.A. has to have? Or do you feel like, you know, if it goes seven, L.A. can still win on the road? What do you think about this this one? After watching the last game and LeBron admittedly says I was shit, that's what he said. <laughs> and and he was right. Um, uh, and I, I do, you know, they have to get, you know, throw all their marbles in, in, in on the floor and try to win this game, not go back to Memphis because guess what? The longer the series goes, Memphis has younger legs and they have, and they have the advantage that yeah. even though they're missing some, you know, uh, Aquaman's not there, you know, they're missing some big pieces, but they show they can win without right. those guys. And, uh, John Morant, you know, the knucklehead he, he has been, the stuff he's done, he's one of the most exciting, talented players in the league. Oh, no question. Period, bar none. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I would hate to have a Game 7 uh, in Memphis yeah. uh, with him being able to go off. So, sure. you know, I got to think the Lakers are thinking, let's yeah. do it now. Uh, and people need to realize seven-game series have ups and downs and fouls. You can't get too high. You can't get too low. Um, you know. So uh, I, I think the Lakers don't want to go back to Memphis. I know that. By the way, I probably need a geography lesson because I said we were going to continue in the East. And yeah, I said, so, let's talk about the Lakers. Well, you got Minnesota in the West. Yeah, well, so let me, let me yeah. be clear. I, I understand that Los Angeles is not an East Coast team. I yeah. want to be very clear on that. I made a mistake. Uh, what I wanted to do, and we can go back to LeBron a little bit, but I want to talk Hawks-Celtics because I believe that game is tonight as well yeah. where the Celtics have an opportunity. Listen, early in this series, it looked like the Celtics were going to win 4-0. Yeah. And then I give the Hawks credit for fighting back into this series and making it a series. Let's be honest. It's 3-2. They made it a series. Now, I think 
for lack of a better term, the buck stops here with the Celtics. Um, I do think they win game six, but I, again, I give Trey Young a lot of credit. I give the Hawks a lot of credit. They, they have not, li- you know, lied down and died. They have made this a competitive series and the Celtics have to be a little bit concerned. I mean, listen, you've given, you've lost two games. You don't want this to go seven because in a game seven, we know, Paul, anything could happen. What do you make of this one? Well, um, not only can anything can happen, uh, lose, lose or win, but also injury wise, we know injuries affect this. Right. And guess who is waiting at home for the Celtics? Philadelphia. They're waiting, resting, getting better, getting prepared. And that's the problem. If you let a series go on, not only lose the possibility of losing it, but being stretched out. And now you got problems. And quite frankly, you know, whoever Boston will get past Atlanta, whether it's six or seven. And then I, the winner of the uh, uh, Sixers and Celtics will win the East. They're going to beat either Miami or New York, I believe. Agree. Unless something uh, crazy happens injury-wise. But if if I'm a coach and I'm in Boston, I'm not very happy because we pissed, we messed it up. We could have closed it out sooner and, and got into our series with Philly sooner. Now we're letting Philly. You talked about the um, the Golden Knights resting and, right. and all that stuff. It's the same for basketball. And now Philly's back there waiting on you. We used to call it waiting on. They're waiting on you. And uh, you know, Joel soon- Embiid is going to be healthy. Arguably yep. one of the best in the league. Um, a matchup. Uh, Nightmare for anybody, Joel is. Yeah. And Harden's, uh, Harden's been playing at a high level. And, and he's going to be able to rest his legs yep. and get those, you know. So if you're Boston, you need to end this thing. And I think they, they, uh, let a couple chances go and just now like, they might pay the price. Just like the Knights tonight, right? A little different in that the Knights have won the last two games on the road, but same theory, right? That yeah. listen, you, you want to rest. You want to rest your players. You want to get healthy. Even I would, I would say, arguably even more important in the NHL than the NBA. But I, I couldn't agree with you more. Philadelphia looks really good, and I wouldn't want to play them. And I agree with you. Celtics Philadelphia sounds to me like a seven-game series, and I do believe the winner of that series will make it to the NBA Finals. I don't know if they'll be NBA champions, but I think they right, come out correct. of the East yeah. and they make it into the NBA Finals in Philadelphia just waiting at the realm right now and kind of enjoying this. You know they're rooting for the Hawks to win tonight. Absolutely. They want it to go seven. I, I, I've been there as a player and I've been there as a coach. So let me ask you this. when you, As a coach, even as a player, are you watching the game? Like say you already won the series, you're playing you know, uh, on Milwaukee. Maybe, maybe let's just say you're watching a Celtics series, right? You know you're playing the winner of that series. Are you watching the game on TV? Absolutely. You yeah. are. Yeah, having some, some wings or whatever, but yeah. yeah, or it's at home or somewhere. Do you do yeah. it with teammates or by yourself? Usually or? with friends or something, maybe yeah. with a teammate or two, but not because quite frankly, when you prepare for a playoff series, you're going to watch hours and hours and hours of video of that team and the guy you're guarding. But, uh, you, now you can step away and watch it more as a, uh, uh, a rooting a, fan a, or an observer and, <laughs> right. and don't get it twisted. All these guys that say, we don't care who we play. We don't, that's BS. They do. And there's guys that they don't want to guard and there's guys that, Oh, I can handle him. And same with the team. So they're secretly, they're not going to let anybody know, but in the back of their minds, uh, you know, they're saying, well, we want this team to step up. Of course. I, I do think the Celtics take care of business tonight. Uh, I think they win this game. I think it'll be a competitive close game. It is in Atlanta. So, well, you know, take that for what you will. Uh, the Boston home court advantage is real. But um, I do think that the Celtics win the basketball game uh, tonight. 
and move on. And, and as you said, uh, the winner of this series most likely will, will defeat uh, the winner of the Knicks Miami series. I tend to agree with you on that. So you, you agree with me? You kind of like Miami or, or no, you're kind of on the fence on this Miami Knicks. Series. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I mean, that's a toss up to me. I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, you know, the Knicks have been playing at a high level, you know, and talk about home court advantage, you know, uh, uh, the garden is in New York is, is like no special. other advantage. Yeah. What yeah. are your fondest memories of playing in Madison Square Garden? Because correct me if I'm wrong, you you guarded Patrick Ewing. Yep. Right. Quite often, yeah. Uh, what are your fondest memories? Uh, Tr- Oakley too, right? You guarded Oakley as well. well Charles Bill Oakley. Cart- Bill Cartwright was there early yeah. on. Um, you know, I had one of my best games in in the Garden. Uh, I had I think twenty three and fifteen boards or something like that. Twenty three and fifteen in the Garden. In wow, the garden. that's it was, it was, incredible. Who'd uh, you score on? Uh, Everybody, wow! That's so, you just felt it. <laughs> yeah. You hit any you hit any deep ones or? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But the one thing that really stands out, I had signed with the Warriors after Christmas for the remainder of that year in '91, and that and was we, with Chris Mullen and Mitch Richmond, right? Yeah, and Tim Hardaway. And Tim Hardaway. Run wow, TMC. what a team! Run TMC. What a team! And uh, uh, we went into the Garden, and uh, here's an inside story for you. Um, uh, when we when we got to New York, uh, the head coach called me into his uh, hotel room. And said, uh, who was, and who was that? Uh, Don Nelson. Don Nelson, yep. And, uh, said, we're, I'm gonna, after this road trip, we go home after the game tomorrow and I'm gonna have to let you go because I have a player that's been playing in Europe and he's coming back and we're, we've signed him and he's gonna play and we don't have any room on injury reserve or anything. So you're gonna be the odd man out. So uh, I was not a happy camper <clears throat> and, uh, but went into that game and, uh, ended up. I oh, was, that is uh, brutal. How do you take that news that you're done and uh, then. Was, oh, that's brutal. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. And, you know, so I had a kind of chip on my shoulder and much to my surprise, I didn't think I'd play because I'm going to be gone, but I played a lot and played well and I guarded Ewing well. And uh, at the end of the game, uh, we were up by one and they had the ball and I was guarding Ewing. They got it to him at the, at the uh, elbow where he loves it. And he drove right where he loves to go. And I snatched the ball with, from him, stole it, and time ran out. We won that game. And uh, I remember going into the locker room, and uh, Tim and those guys were really happy. We're going home with a road win, and they're really happy. And, and I wasn't. And they started talking to me, why, what's going on? And I told them. And uh, for some reason, at the end of that flight, when we landed in, uh, Golden, in San Francisco, uh, this, uh, Nelly called me over to his seat and said, Mo, I'm not letting you go. Uh, you're here and we'll figure it out a different way. <laughs> oh my, that's uh, so and, awesome. And so it, do you feel like the players might I, have spoken up? I know because I asked them afterwards wow. at the end of the season, after we lost to the Lakers in the playoffs, I asked them and all three of them went to Nelly and said, you, you can't let Mo go. We what need him great in the teammates. Yeah, so. so so, when you're saying this to Tim Hardaway, what a story. You never told me this story. That's incredible. <laughs> so when you're saying this to a guy like a Tim Hardaway or a Mitch Richmond, I would assume you all three, right? Mm-hmm. And what are they saying Chris to you? Chris Mullen's a friend of mine. So and, right. and Chris Mullen. Like, yeah. what are they saying to you? That There's no way we, we can't they, let they were kind of They were surprised. So, you know, then we got showered, got on a plane and, and whatever. And you just won the game for them at the end. Yeah. You steal the ball from Patrick Ewing. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in the locker room at the end of the and, – and what a great team that was, by the way. Yeah. And and Nelly tells you before the game that we're going to have to cut before. you loose. The or the night before. Yeah. I mean, he's giving a – What a horrible feeling. Why would he tell you that before the game? Wouldn't you? Because he, he respects me. I played for him before. He's heads up, and he wants me to know. Right. So, so you didn't you have know, a problem with that. No. I had a problem with the, the, you know, why the decision. he's doing it, but it's business. 
What does it feel like for you? Where at the end of the flight, you're obviously not in the best of moods. Oh man, am I, am I going to get signed by another team? Am I going to get a 10 day? What's going to happen to my career? And then Don Nelson says, we're not letting you go. I mean, what does well, that feel like? Well, my career is over, by the way. So that was it my was. last year. So that it was, was going to be. I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But you didn't want it to end like that. No, you, no. And, right. I, and here's what he said to me. He said, uh, he said hey, Mo, because I played for him for five years in Milwaukee. He, we know each other well. He goes, Mo, you're not going to let me cut you, are you? I said, not if I can help it. He said, well, I'm not going to do it then. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. That must have felt so good, though, that your teammates had your back. Those are the kind of I'll team. Tell you, I'll tell you what else felt good is uh, – you know, I, I was at the end of my career, and Patrick Ewan was still at the height of his career. And, mm-hmm. and I remember, you know, the New York media, it's crazy. So, and there's little locker rooms. And I remember all the reporters coming to me and putting a mic on my face and, you know, saying, you know, you know, you, you blah, 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 you stole the ball and everything. And, and they said, by the way, we talked to Patrick Ewing, and he said it was a great play. You, you didn't foul him and you took the ball. So for someone like Patrick to say, Hey, he took the ball from me. Have you talked, have you talked to Patrick? Oh yeah. I've talked to him over the years. Yeah. What's, what's he like as a, he's just a class guy. And I, I, he's one, and we talk this off, off camera a lot or off mic. Uh, you know, it's frustrating for me as a seven footer. I coached for 20 years at every level. Uh, some, some big guys don't get a chance like point guards do in the NBA. And I would say, uh, Patrick Ewing is one who went to Georgetown to be head coach, but coached in the NBA for 20 years as an assistant, never got a head job. Jack Sigma's in the same, same boat. Um, you know, it was frustrating for me because I know what kind of basketball guy Patrick is and what kind of person he is. And, uh, Why to me, you- he, he deserved a head job in the NBA, at least a shot at it. I tend to agree with you, and I feel the same way about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Maybe Kareem is for different reasons. I know he's a little aloof, and he rubs people the wrong way, but I would love to see Kareem coaching a basket, a, coaching an NBA team. Let's go back to Patrick Ewing for a minute. Why do you think that Patrick, and not many big guys or Hall of Famers, get the chance to win an NBA championship, but why do you think with Patrick Ewing, he never got that ring? Well, I think, uh, I think the series, uh, I don't know if it was the Bulls or... You know where I remember the shot that hit the no the back yeah. that was Charles Smith that hit was it Charles Smith no it was Ewing that hit the back of the yeah, iron he missed win, the, yeah. he missed the layup where he's he's in between and like a back of the rim well he's out. in between dunking it and laying it up right and he got caught in there uh, you know sometimes a lot of times it's luck uh, and it's talent and that's why when people talk about the goat and all that stuff or MVP I'm like. The best player in the world ever, or the best player in the NBA at this specific time, probably won't win a championship because he's not on a good enough team. That doesn't make him any less of a player. And I think Patrick. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. We all know that. Patrick was kind of in that boat where he had some chances and some runs at it and just couldn't get over the hump. Uh, you're coaching in their, in your prime. Do you take Patrick Ewing in his prime or Carl Malone? Probably Patrick. Really? I, I, I just think shot blocking. Rebounding is probably equal. Shot blocking, Patrick has it. Uh, passing, probably equal. Scoring, equal. So interesting. And he's a he's a, a guy that you know a seven footer that I can rely on every game. Would have been fun watching John Stockton play with Patrick Ewing. Not that it wasn't fun watching him play with Carl Malone, but mm-hmm. it, what, what what would it have been like for you? You think if you were able to play with a guy like you played with some great guards, but what would it have been like for you playing with John Stockton? Well, when you're a big guy, you rely on the other people to give you the ball most entry of the time. passes, yeah. yeah, or just off the break or right. on three on one breaks or three on twos. And uh, but I would guys, imagine you would have had plenty more dunks and and layups well, if you were playing with a guy like Stockton. Well, a guy like Stockton and and, and Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson, they they. Not only do they make the pass, they put the pass right where you need it at the mm-hmm. right time. And because you can give, if I'm 
rumbling, stumbling down the lane and trying to get to the basket. If you give me the ball too soon, I'll probably travel. Too late, I'll probably be on the backboard. You need to give it to me right in the right spot, and I'll dunk it. So, you know, guys like like that are – and that's very important for young players to realize. You know, making the right pass is great, but make it at, at the right time, at the yeah. right place, and in the right way. I'm watching some highlights of you when you guys played Cleveland – uh, 1989 when you played for the Bucks, And, um, you know, I lost all my hair when I was uh, like 30. And you, you got that nice hairdo back here, and then you got that big clump right here. I'm Larry Nance called me an arrowhead brother. Arrowhead <laughs> brother. <laughs> I love that, man. I love that. I love watching highlights of you back in the 80s, man. Uh, you were a force to be reckoned with. There's no question about that. Everybody, pro- you know, wanted a guy like you. You know, a physical guy, that, and you're, you're paying for it now with some of the issues you have with your legs, your knees, your feet. But boy, man, any any player that played with you or even against you has to respect what you gave out there in your 12 year uh, NBA career. There's no question about that. And that's got to feel good. All my teammates I ever played with were happy to play with me because I did. And I try to tell us to young players: do things that other players don't want to do. Dive on the floor, set picks, play a good defense, solid defense. Be a great teammate. Be prepared. Be ready to play whenever you whenever you're called upon. Those those uh, those attributes are huge. And I think they're lacking a lot in today's game. They are, and I will give Draymond Green credit for this. He came off the bench. He 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 rose to the occasion. He and he said after the game, "Doesn't matter what I feel. I'm going to be ready to go." And for once, I said, "That is a professional." Yep. You know, Draymond was being a professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, forget about his stupid antics and behavior. But that game, he was a professional. He put the ego aside. He listened to the coaching staff, and he was ready. And he mm-hmm. gave the Golden State Warriors. We're going to talk about the Golden State Warriors when we come back. He is Paul McCaskey. Uh, he is the 12-year NBA veteran. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're actually going to talk about the real West. I know we already talked about the Lakers. Oh, wow, wow, West. Yeah. We're going to talk about uh, Moe's good friend, Steve Kerr, who he played with. We're going to talk about what a great series this has been between Golden State and Sacramento. Uh, we're going to talk about what Phoenix did to the Clippers. I want to get into that a little bit. Ooh, we're going to talk Clipper, about Clippers. Ooh. Yes. We're going to talk about that. And we are going to talk about the Denver Nuggets as well. So we got a lot more to get to and why Dwayne Wade refuses to live in the state of Florida. I want to talk to oh, him. Really? Yes. I heard that yeah, we're going to lead with that story coming back <laughs> next. I think Mo's going to enjoy that one and then we'll preview the West or the rest of the West. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You are listening to Pushing the Limits right here on 107.1 FM, 1400 AM KSHP. Everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub? And you can be a hero. Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Hey, everybody. It's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, 
car accident treatment and work injuries, you name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement, and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. Welcome to Hash House A Go-Go, where we've been serving farm food and crafted cocktails for over two decades. Visit us for the full Hash House experience at any of our five Las Vegas locations. Hash House A Go-Go is where old school meets new and gets twisted. We bring people together over good food and fun. Come in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and come hungry because our portions are huge. Visit us online to see our entire menu at hashhouseagogo.com. Hash House A Go-Go. It's a Midwest thing, and there's nothing else like it. Sapphire Pool and Day Club, the world's only topless gentleman's day club, introduces its 2023 pool season lineup with a bevy of beauties and social media celebrities throughout the summer who will all host alongside hundreds of Sapphire's topless poolside entertainers. Enjoy brunch in the sun with items like frittata-style omelets, stripping chicken, and French kiss toast before washing it down with signature summertime cocktails. Ten lines beware. Go Bear! Ladies are welcome to go topless within the day club for the ultimate party. Guests can purchase affordable day bed packages, cabana packages, lounge chairs, and more. The best part, though? Pushing the Limits will be broadcasting shows every other Friday throughout the pool season with a ton of surprise celebrity guests. Wow! Reserve your spot now. For more info, visit sapphirepoollv.com or call 702-869-0003. That's 702-869-0003. See you at Sapphire. Is your dog suffering from a sensitive stomach? Hi, it's Kelly the Cookie Lady from Mooch's Munchies. Our dogs had super sensitive tummies, and I needed to find a low-fat treat that wouldn't give them gas or other issues. Most of the treats on the market were loaded with fillers, chemicals, and chicken fat. Many of them weren't even food. Well, I knew I could do better, so I developed Mooch's Munchies, and I'm happy to be able to share them with you. Stop by our store or our website, moochesmunchies.com, and find out why we say that Mooch's Munchies are totally possum. Zenworld Premium CBD offers full and broad-spectrum CBD oil, extracts, and capsules, which are designed to help you feel your best. Their products are sourced from the best organic hemp and natural ingredients on the market and are tested for quality, purity, and potency. They have a full range of items from health and wellness to beauty to pets. Call 725-205-9223. Visit online at zenworld.com or stop by their location at 9895 South Maryland Parkway and Silverado Ranch Parkway. Mention KSHP for 10% off in-store or use code KSHP online for 15% off. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Thursday. I need to remind all of you, we are going to be at a wonderful place called Sapphire Gentleman's Club. We're going to be at the pool there. The pool there is unbelievable tomorrow. And we are broadcasting our show live from Sapphire. So everybody is welcome to join. It's going to be a great time. They give us a cabana there, and we're going to be there every other Friday. 
so happy to call Sapphire our home, man. It's, it's, it's the best gentleman's club in all of Las Vegas, and the management there is great. I don't know, man. I heard a rumor. People are going to be very, very disappointed to hear this. But I've been, you know, I've been promoting it all week because I heard allegedly that the big man Paul McCaskey was going to be showing up in a speedo. But uh, I don't know. That that's is that fake news? Yeah, it's fake news. We'll save that for. Uh, I'm still negotiating with Sapphire on my salary for that on my parents' fee, so uh, that's on hold for right now. Fair enough. So we're not for you, lovely ladies out there and men. Uh, if you want, if you wanted to see Mo in a speedo, it might not happen no, tomorrow. Trust me. No, uh, Marcus no. Banks is going to be there. The uh, NBA veteran himself. Uh, we are going to have my good friend. Put Bre- him in a speedo. <laughs> no, I don't think he'll do that. My good friend uh, Brett Raymer from the hit TV show Tanked is going to be there. Uh, my friend uh, comedian Lindsey uh, Glazer is going to be uh, uh, in our cabana doing uh, doing some radio with us as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We are going to have a ton of special guests. Chris Wynn, the celebrity that he is, will be there as well. We're going to have a lot of special guests joining us tomorrow. Maybe even some lovely ladies of Sapphire I'll be speaking with tomorrow. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I want to tell you guys, speaking of fun, my good friends at Jackson's Bar and Grill, my favorite gaming bar in town. Brian and Robin are awesome. Uh, you will be taken care of there. Uh, they have great promos for the month of April, but we're almost in May, so that's probably not going to do you any good. But I can tell you, they have all sorts of different promos to free play, to giveaways. Uh, check them for details on that. But I can tell you right now, bet great food, great atmosphere, great place to play. Of course, I'm talking about Jackson's Bar and Grill, which is located on Flamingo and Jones. Please check him out. We got the big seven-footer in studio. He is Paul McKeskey, and we're talking NBA playoffs and having some fun. And uh, we talked a little bit, Mo, about Lakers, Grizzlies, and that series. And uh, I do believe that the Lakers are going to win this series, and then they're going to lose round two. But let's talk about some of the other series. Uh, I think the uh, the Kings-Warriors uh, series has been very entertaining. A lot of scoring, a lot of athleticism. Kings are very young, but uh, they, they have a bright future. I think we both could agree on that. What are your thoughts on this series as a whole? And uh, it just seems like, you know, the best shooter in the game, Steph Curry. Draymond Green has been a huge part of this series, both good and bad. But what do you make of this series? Well, I, I would put someone else's name out there uh, that no one thinks about, Looney. Their sure. center who yep. has had 20-plus rebounds the last two games and just does everything like we talked about before. That no, He very, very rarely shoots. Uh, I don't know if he made it last night, but there's only two players in the history of the game that have played in a playoff game and had 20-plus rebounds and less than five points. Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell. Mm. And uh, Looney's right in that neighborhood. So <clears throat> it's definitely what you thought, young versus old, experienced versus inexperienced. <clears throat> the coach, uh, Coach Brown for Sacramento, been on the bench for years with Golden State, won championships with Golden State. He's done a great job in Sacramento. He's got young, talented players. Uh, uh, Sabonis is a great, great young big that's uh, playing very good basketball. He's tough as nails. Adding that, adding him late in the season or right at the trade deadline was the key part for the Sacramento Kings to be able to make a run in these playoffs. Now, um, I think the Kings surprised uh, the Warriors a little bit at first um, with their talent level, uh, not with their athleticism and, and their young legs, but with their talent level and what exactly they could do. Um, uh, and I think it's turned out to be a great series. Uh, the Warriors, as everyone says in the NBA seven game series, doesn't start till the, uh, till the road team wins on, on, on the road, till a team wins on the road. And that's what the Warriors did last night. So, uh, you know, I, I think they'll, I think the Warriors might even blow them out next game and then cause a game seven. 
back in Sacramento that hasn't had a game seven in so long. They can't even remember. And that crowd's going to be crazy. And it's going to be a, a really great game seven if it comes that far. We hope it does. So, so you're saying you, you wouldn't be surprised if the Kings win game six? No, I, I think, well, I think the, the Warriors, it's game six in Golden State, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. I think the Warriors, oh, the Warriors are ahead. What the Warriors are up 3 2. Oh, yep. wow. No, I think. Come well, on, Mo, get it together. Yeah, I know. You, know, you threw, me <laughs> off, threw me off when you said the Lakers are in the East, but. Um, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but. That's fair. The, yeah, I mean, the, the, so the Golden State Warriors are kind of in the same boat as the Lakers are, right? Right. They want to win this game and get this thing over. Correct. However, uh, I give, if both series went to game seven, Lakers in Memphis and Golden State in Sac, I would give the edge to uh, Golden State in Sac. Well, that would be a fun game seven though, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, I, I yeah. root for game sevens anywhere, whether it be the Lakers uh, series uh, or, or the Warriors series. And Sacramento's beat Golden State and Golden State, which right. not a lot of teams have this yep. year. So. so Mo, at the beginning of the playoffs, I told you that my pick was the Phoenix Suns. I wasn't crazy of the way Phoenix played early in this series, but towards the end, Phoenix took care of business. They win the series 4-1, which uh, is is pretty good. Uh, now, the Clippers are just, they, they, without Paul George and with Kawhi Leonard and that nonsense, the Clippers didn't have their two best players out there. And I think if, if the Clippers were healthy, I think this would have been a very different series. I know it would have. But with that being said, Phoenix still wins 4-1. You have to give kudos to them, right? They took care of business. Absolutely. And Phoenix has... You know, they have their core. I keep saying this. They kept, they, they got KD, one of the best players in the world, and they didn't give up Booker, Aiton, or Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. And that's, and they still got that. So right. their starting four is as good as anybody in the league. Uh, and then you put whoever, I mean, you, me, or whoever in the fifth spot will be okay. Uh, they have some depth on their bench. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they're right there. Uh, the, the travesty, in my opinion, is if, if I'm a, a bomber, the owner of the Clippers, I'm right. I'm irate. I spent 200 million or whatever I spent and all this money. And, you know, uh, you know, we got someone hurt, got another player that, you know, wants to rest and what now he's hurt. What do I do with that? Cause we had one of the best rosters in the league to start this season with championship, uh, on our minds and everything went to hell in a handbasket quickly. So, um, you know, I would put, uh, the Bucks and uh, Clippers in the same boat in this offseason about Agree. deciding what to do. Uh, and, uh, Phoenix, in my opinion, can beat anybody. If they stay healthy, Chris Paul yeah. has a tendency to get hurt in the playoffs. You know, he's an older guard. Uh, but now, uh, with KD can take some pressure off him and, and getting Book- rest and Booker's playing at yeah. a high, high level. Very too. high. And, and again, they're getting rest. Here, they- here's a key for you too, Brian. Keeping, uh, Aiton, their mm-hmm. seven footer, interested. Mm-hmm. If you remember last year, he kind of got dis- disinterested and kind of frustrated. Actually, the last game, he had a little argument with the head coach as they went off the court because he got, you know, didn't match his, his uh, contract and all that. You need to keep that guy interested. Now, he's not going to score a lot of points, but he's going to rebound, block shots, and be there when you need him. That's key for a Phoenix Sun. Kind of like some of my dates. I try to keep them interested, but it doesn't always work out that way. <laughs> and then, uh, and then yeah. when they go to the restroom at the, yeah. at the restaurant, and they never come back. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> that's, that's happened to me before as well. So, Mo, I want to I flip topics here real quickly. We got a few minutes here. Um, you know that the player that Dwayne Wade was, 
and a Hall of Famer, great college player, even better NBA player. Uh, he brought South Florida three NBA championships. He was a big part of that. He played 14 seasons in the well, league. One of those are at my expense, by the way. I did not know that. The Dallas Mavericks. They, they, we beat, we beat them. You played against Wade? I didn't know that. No, no, as a oh, coach. As a coach, I got you. So we, we won. You both were the assistant coach. Assistant yep. coach. We both we won both games in Dallas, and back then the NBA had the great idea of instead of two uh, two two one one one, they did two three two, mm. and we went into Miami and lost all three games, and then uh, eventually game six, they cost me a championship ring, and that guy. That guy, Wade, was a big part of that. How difficult was it coming up with schemes when you were coaching on that Dallas team to, to try to defend Dwayne Wade? Well, um, I did the scouting report for that series. I did them for all those series. Mm-hmm. And uh, my point in my scouting report was specific. I said, uh, Dwayne Wade, in the first three quarters, you know, uh, lets everybody get involved and is a great player. And in the fourth quarter, he takes over. So we need to trap him. Double team him, get the ball out of his hands. Even though they had, they had Shaq and, uh, you know, some other guys get the ball out of his hands. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, was that Antoine Walker too? He was on that yeah. team. Unfortunately, some of the coaching staff, even though I was kind of screaming at the end of the bench, uh, didn't Wait, was this a series where you guys were up 3-0? 2-0. You were up 2-0 in the finals. Yes. And oh, we, lo- we lost, we lost game three. We're up by nine. About a minute and a half left, and oh, that's so brutal. And, uh, 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 Posey hit a corner three. Uh, Wade, James uh, Posey. Wade drove to the basket and got a phantom foul on Dirk for an N one. And Mark Cuban was trying to st- strangle a referee. And uh, then they ended up winning that game. They blew us out in the next game. And Jerry Stackhouse, who was our sixth man of the year, pushed Shaq in the back, got suspended for the fifth game. Dirk Nowinski, Jason Terry, both missed free throws to ice that game. Would have put us up 3-2, and we lost at home. Not that I remember that. Not that that still bothers me to this day. <laughs> you would have, Mo would have had his ring. I didn't know you were on the bench then. Oh, that is so brutal, man. Oh, that was a brutal series. It was right. And then Dallas wins the championship years later. Yeah, a couple, couple, three years later. Yeah, yeah three years later. But uh, what was it like working for Mark Cuban? Uh, interesting guy, smart, brilliant, um, has great ideas. Um, you know, I think he learned over the process that uh, a basketball team is not like a corporation. Uh, you cannot control players like you control right. employees sometimes. You can't program players like you program computers. And I think he learned that over the years to trust other people where at the beginning he didn't. Uh, and I think he tried to control players. He, tr- he tried. He thought he could. And, you know, it just doesn't work that way. You know, he thought there was a formula that, you know, I can make uh, uh, you a – a better player if you do this X Y Z. Well, that doesn't. That's not true. You, there's all you kinds of that. all kinds of tangibles. How nice with it though that the extra luxuries you get with a guy like Mark Cuban. I would imagine the private plane was pretty nice and things were pretty nice. Yeah, I mean he the locker rooms. American Airlines Arena was his first year when I got there. Uh, he, you know, he he bought a seven fifty seven forty seven on the oh. internet and then re gutted it and redid it. Uh, and he here's a smart thing that he does. He's a businessman, so I think New York owns it their own plane portland does some teams do most teams rent their jets he bought a jet and not only did he use it during the season where he could write off gas and everything then he rented it out i know uh after one east coast road trip where we weren't we're going to be home for two weeks you two took the jet to australia so he made money while while no one was using that jet and now 
Actually, the Dallas Mavericks have two big jets along with his own private jet. So how cool uh, is that? Yeah. So he, yeah. you know, he's going to figure a way to make to make money and and utilize everything he has. So cool. Anyway, going back though to uh, Dwayne Wade, uh, he told Rachel Nichols, "Where is she working now?" In an interview that uh, he and his family no longer live in Florida over fears that he and his family would not feel comfortable there. He suggested the move had something to do with the legislation that bans school employees or third parties from giving classroom instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. What do you, what do you make of that? Well, I mean, you know, the, uh, you, you speak on this all the time and our country's in turmoil and there's opposite ends that, uh, you know, are kind of controlling the narrative. And, you know, if, if you're, if you're well off and, and can control, you know, uh, what's going on with your family? As you should, you should be able to pick where you where you want to live, and those reasons, family reasons, are probably the biggest reasons you would not live somewhere, or you would live somewhere. And Dwayne Wade has a transgender daughter, hmm. so I would imagine this has a lot to do with that as well. Um, I mean, I'm a, uh, if I, I'm a parent, I have two sons, and uh, my wife Linda and I, when they're young. And if a doctor is involved or a psychologist or whoever, we should have control of what our family and our kids uh, are, are uh, do. And uh, I, I firmly believe that no political party or no state should be able to control that Agree. if I think it's best for our children. Agree. And Wade's 15-year-old transgender uh, daughter, Zaya, uh, you know, uh, Wade fought. Uh, and one in Los Angeles court to legally change her name, even though her biological mother did not want the name changed. He said, that's another reason why I don't live in that state. A lot of people don't know that. I have to make decisions for my family, not just personal, but individual decisions. I commend Dwayne Wade for doing what his transgender daughter, uh, you know, supporting his transgender daughter, which I wish more families would do. He's, he's doing what's best for his family. And I think he yeah. is a good dude and he stayed out of trouble. He seems like a good husband, a good family man for the most part. And um, I commend him for doing that. He's uh, like... There's a there's a few knuckleheads in pro sports and NBA also, but there's more like Dwayne Wade that do things the right way. You know, I don't and understand. We should show that more. I agree, and I don't understand why his ex-wife uh, didn't want her then son transitioned to daughter to change her name. Like, uh, it went to court for that. This is your 15 year old. This is what they want. Like, what? What are you doing? You want to make your 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 child unhappy? Like I, I just I don't know. I just I can't relate to that. And yeah. and it's I mean, else. there's two people, three, my wife and my two sons that are, and and their wives that are, yeah, their family. I would do any. And you're in there, Brian. Now you're a part of oh, that. Oh wow! That I would do anything. Part of the McKesson for their family. happiness. <laughs> uh, that well, <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know if I. Um, believe you mo because i really wanted to see you in a speedo tomorrow but uh <laughs> i'm telling you negotiations are tough i'm not you know i i have value brian i have value what if don and, what if don nelson signed you to a one-day contract would you do it it depends it depends <laughs> on how much it is <laughs> i know what the problem is there's no video poker machines at the there pool. you go that's the problem <laughs> and free play i could see you sitting there with chris win uh you know and, and yelling at the machines but uh there's no, yes well, we will miss you tomorrow, Mo, but I will try to talk your wife into maybe allowing you to go one day down the road, but we'll see what In happens. In the future, I think. Yes. Yeah. Paul McCaskey, always a pleasure. Every Thursday, the Mo Shapiro Hour. That's right. And I appreciate you being here as always, my friend. Those are some nice shades you got there, too, by the way. Enjoy it. I'm liking it. All right, everybody, that wraps up a Thursday. Uh, tomorrow on the show, as I mentioned, 
with or without Mo, we are going to be at Sapphire Gentlemen's Club at the pool. Speedo, no speedo. That's right. We're broadcasting live out there. There's great food specials, great drink specials out there. We're going to be sitting there in a cabana having some fun with uh, a lot of half-naked people. It's a tough job, but somebody has to do it. Uh, and we will be there tomorrow, folks. Poor Numchuck is going to be stuck here in the studio. Uh, but, you know, so be it. Uh, it is what it is. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Appreciate Alan Snell, my guest in our number one from uh, Las Vegas, LVSportsBiz.com, and, of course, 12-year NBA veteran Paul McCaskey. We will see you tomorrow, folks. Same time, not same place. We will be at Sapphire Gentlemen's Club at the pool, and everybody's welcome to come by and say hello. Have a great day, everybody. Everybody.